Uh, Jesus didn't have a problem with people that was in the streets. He had a problem with religious people. How can I help anybody when I'm not even when I was not even able to help my own son? I would never do that. I would never do that. And I became that in a matter of minutes when they took my pain pills away. And I said, I'm not where I want to be. But thank God I'm not what I used to be. Ugh. This is Faith in Your Recovery. I am Randy Davis. Welcome to the battle. Are you tired of the fight? Fed up with the struggle? Done lying to yourself about the next time. Hold on. We don't believe you've come this far. It only come this far. Whether you stumbled on our podcast or connected intentionally, we think you just may be where the next right step of your recovery is about to happen. Faith in your recovery may be exactly what you need. Our guest today is Courtney King. Welcome, Courtney. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, I'm excited to hear what you have to share. We want our folks to get another piece that they can work with. And I know that it's going to it's going to make a difference for somebody out there. And I, I'm of the total belief if we could see them, we'd see them nodding their heads in agreement with you before you're done here. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> yeah. So are you from here in Anderson? I am. I grew up in Pendleton. Um, and then I had children, um, cost of living was obviously lower here in Anderson. So I moved to Anderson. Um, and then, um, I've been in Anderson mostly since then. Okay. So Madison County has been your, your home throughout life. Yes. 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 All right. Okay. So what are you doing now as far as your career? Um, so right now I'm at Turning Point Madison County. Um, I am becoming a peer recovery coach. Congrats. Thank you. Um, I love helping others. I love um, trying to get the message across um, that recovery is possible. That's what we're about here. I'd like to say we're about all things recovery, and we're going to get a different avenue, a different approach, a different story from you because they're all so personal, Absolutely. and they all make that difference. Before we get into your story, tell the folks out there listening what Turning Point Madison County is about. Okay, so Turning Point is, um, we're a resource hub. We try to reach out to the community. Um, it is with mental um, health illnesses and substance abuse. Um, so we try to reach out in the community, see if we can either get you into treatment or if you need therapy or if you just kind of are at wit's end and you don't know what to do, if you need a shelter, if you need um, a recovery um, home, we can give you that. Um, so we're just trying to lift up the community when they don't feel like they can have anything to turn to. Kind of a one-stop shop for all your recovery needs. Absolutely, yes. All yes. right, that's neat. That's <laughs> it. Now, let's go back in time. Okay. Let's go back to your early life, okay? Okay. That young Courtney in those innocent childhood years, what was your family life like, your home? Um, so I grew up in the country in Markleville. Um, I had a great upbringing. Um, when I was real young, I had um, a whole bunch of farm animals. I had a donkey and goats and, um, I had a huge pond. So I like, 
I'm the only child, so my animals was my friends, my, you know, my siblings. You, were you an outside girl? Absolutely. You loved to be out there with them, playing around, be it the donkey. I like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Not, I, I see them. I love them, but I've never been around them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What was your favorite pet, your favorite animal that you recall? Um, well... Okay, so my donkey was the coolest, so he used to meet me out. Um, I had a very long driveway, and he used to meet me out by the school bus every day and then walk with me back to, you know, back to the house. So that was super cool. Um, but all of the dogs that I have, I I love animals, but my dogs I absolutely love. Oh, that's cool. I like that story of the donkey meeting <laughs> you there at the bus and walking you up, okay? Yeah. Uh, that's a great visual of an innocent life. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead and tell us more. As you get into school and move on to high school, tell us about life. Um. Yeah, so I, um, my parents um they divorced so i started staying with my grandma a little bit more and more um How old were you when they divorced about 10 okay roughly about Pretty 10 impressionable age yeah um so i started staying with my grandma a little bit more um obviously my mom needed help you know um somebody to watch me so i started staying with her more um i was still outside all the time. I still um, flourished in that. As I got into middle school, um, I got on the basketball team. So I started playing basketball a lot um, and just being um, an athlete. I loved baseball too. I grew, you know, grew up in softball. Um, and then something in middle school, I'm not sure what. My mom started dating again um, and Going my eighth grade year into my freshman year, I started um, dabbling in marijuana. So it kind of took me away from like my my basketball and my friends, you know, that I knew through softball, through basketball, through that small knit community. Um, and then I kind of ventured out. So you changed your uh, your friendship circle to those who were doing the same kind of things you were doing at that time. Yeah, um, and I can't sit and pinpoint exactly like what it was that made me um, veer off of the path that I was on. Like I can't, I, I don't put blame on anything or anyone besides that was just a choice that I made. Um but I like it. I, I got introduced to going to the skating rink in okay. Anderson. And um, once I started doing that, I started, I guess, mingling with different people. You know, um, Pendleton at that time was a very small knit um, community. So everybody knew everything about everybody, you know. Of course. So, so there wasn't a lot of go, a lot of things going on. But then when you got to Anderson, it was a lot bigger. Nobody knew me. You know, my parent, my mom didn't know any anybody and um so I was able to go to this uh particular friend's house and she would you know talk to the parent but she had no idea what was going on behind closed doors so going from the rural to Pendleton to Anderson had to be a little bit of a culture shock okay we're not talking New York City here but by the same token that was a change of lifestyle yeah I mean being in the country and growing up with you know dirt and farm animals and then coming you know to Anderson to to see you know 
houses like literally side by side and you know the noise of the traffic I didn't have that when I was growing up so it was really cool to me I wanted to be in Anderson I wanted to be you know in that life I guess is what you would want to say um but in the end I it didn't it didn't lead me to to great things how about that okay we'll go ahead with some of those you mentioned how it was like your freshman year that you started dabbling with marijuana yeah how did that come about um so i was actually i had um at that time i had a stepbrother um and he had older friends so that particular um friend had a uh, sister that was in my grade so i knew about a party and we was going there my mom ended up catching me so i didn't get to go to the party so i'm mad um and i my dad's like why why was you so mad and i was like well i was gonna smoke i was gonna smoke pot for the first time and i was so mad because that's what i wanted to do and he was like that is not you know that's not the the avenue to go down um so he ended up leaving that night and i ended up having that same friend come over to the house and i ended up you know smoking pot um and i thought i was the coolest person like i don't know why but i did because back in pendleton you know i'm still going to pendleton but they was not doing anything you know what i mean so i felt like i had like an upper hand almost as in like i'm doing something that you're not doing right um now they're they probably all laugh at me now but that doesn't matter um so that's kind of what led me into that path of then i started drinking I got a job at um, McDonald's at 15 and then um, having that older crowd that, you know, smoke and drank and done Xanax. And I literally slipped right in there like, like nothing. You became a part of that crowd. Then. Yeah. The pill popping and everything else. Yes. How bad did that get? Um, it got pretty bad. So um, at that age, I was obviously um, coming back home, and I thought that I knew everything, right? A 15-year-old. I got one of those now. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> we'll pray for you on <laughs> yes, that, thank okay? You. <laughs> thank you. She's not even a quarter of bad as how I was. But, you know, I'd go home, and me and my mom would fight a lot. Um, and it got to the point where my mom ended up calling um, the sheriff's office on me because I was being incorrigible. Um, I wasn't listening. I, I knew it all, um, you know, and so. So you recognized you were maybe a little proud of that fact that you were taking charge. Yeah, I mean, I recognize it now. You know, back then I was like, my mom is mean. My mom, you know, she is just so controlling. She doesn't know anything about anything, you know. Um, but as a mother, you know what I mean, of a 15-year-old yes. now, we just yes. want what is best, you know, and. I know we don't always have it figured out, but, you know, speaking from experience, I've been there, done that, and I'm just trying to help you, you know? Um, so I ended up going over to juvenile for my mom, you know, calling the sheriff's play, uh, police on me. And uh, I spent some days in juvenile. Let me tell you. How long? I think the first time I went, it was only like for a weekend. And I got out and, you know, swore. I'm going to change. I'm not going to do this. You know, I'm not going to do that. I had a probation officer. You know, all I had to do was go go to counseling, you know, try to basically nip it in the bud. 
figure out what's going on, why I am using, and figure it out. Stop it while you can. Right, right. You know, as an adult, I say that, but then I'm like, they want me to do all this stuff, you know. Um, So I did go to counseling a couple times, but I never stopped smoking pot. So I then I'm just felling urine screens, you know, for a probation officer, um, juvenile at that. So um, they end up putting me in like this um, group home, uh, uh, girls group home, Sycamore House. Um, So I stayed over there for about two weeks and begged my mom again, you know, mom, I'm sorry. I love you. Please, if you love me, you'll get me out of here. And manipulation continues. Yes, at its fullest, you know. And um, my mom, I feel bad now, you know, because my mom, I'm my mom's only child, you know, and she sees me crying and, you know, disoriented. So, of course, she pulls me out. And um, at this time, I have a pretty good relationship with my dad. And I tell my dad, it's all my mom's fault. Right now I'm playing manipulation on my mom and my dad. It's all my mom's fault. Um, So my dad is like, well, if you want guardianship, you can come live with me. So that's what happened. We went to court. My dad said, I'm going to take her. She's just doing bad at her mom's. You're how old at this time? This time I'm 16. Okay. Okay. So um, my dad comes and gets me and I'm living with him in Anderson. Okay. So as I'm living with him in Anderson, it's just getting worse. You know, I'm still doing the same dumb crap that I'm doing. I have um, a boyfriend at that time. I think I'm grown. I'm working here and there. And um, my dad was not always in my life. So he just kind of let me do whatever. As in, you know, when I just told you my mom. I thought my mom was always controlling. Well, my dad was complete opposite. He didn't care what I did. From one extreme to the other, depending on the household you were in. Exactly. Exactly. And um, then I got out of control. Then I started taking Xanaxes, stopped going to school, just completely um, turned off what I knew. You know, my structural life that was good for me, I completely just abandoned. So, um I ended up taking Xanaxes, drinking, partying, I mean, being in dangerous situations, um, and led me to, um, I ended up dropping out of school, then I got my GED, um, and then my dad emancipated me, so I was literally on my own at that time. Let me back up a little bit. Okay, go ahead. How old I I hate to keep asking. No, that no, question, I'm sorry. I want the folks to follow the chronology. I'm sorry for How not. old were you when you dropped out of school? Almost seventeen. What year? What class were you in? Was that your junior? Yeah, year? Yeah, it would have been my junior year. Yes. Okay, go ahead then. Okay. Please. Um, sorry, I'm not. No problem. Not no giving problem. you guidelines. Nope. You just keep um, rolling. <laughs> um. So then I basically um, was working. I was working at Ponderosa back then, and I was um, staying with a friend's parents um, here and there, still staying at my dad's, coming and going. Um, and I did get my GED, um, and then I ended up getting pregnant at, at 18. Um, had my first son. When I got pregnant, I stopped all drug use. Um, at that time, I was not 
I was an addict, but I was not in deep addiction enough where I could not stop. You weren't in active addiction at that time. Was that more so for yourself or for your child? That was for my child. Okay. Um, so I, you know, went through my pregnancy. Um, I had him, uh, he, a little bundle of joy, you know, and I was doing great. Um, I did start smoking backup pot when he was about six months old cause I breastfed. Um, but uh, with my addiction, as soon as I was able to use again, I went right back to it. So then I was, you know, smoking pot, then I'd dabble in Xanax um, so this was just a period of dryness, so to speak. Absolutely. Boy, it wasn't a true change. It was just, you put it in recession. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, and then within um, a few months, I ended up getting pregnant again with my middle son. Um, and his pregnancy was different. Um, I went to the doctor. I told him I am depressed. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I already have a child. I, I just, I'm at a loss. I was very, very depressed. Put me on Xanax, which as I just told everyone, that I was already using Xanax. to your plan? Yeah. Um, prior to that. So I didn't go to therapy like I should have. Um, I got put on Xanax. So, um, my whole pregnancy. So when Devin was born, um, uh, he came out very colicky, you know, well, of course he would, because I was on Xanax the whole time with him, you know, um, but that's me in recovery speaking, not the, you know, 19 year old that just birthed a child. Right. Um, so I started, um, kind of freaking out. I was reaching out for help to my aunt, to anybody that would help because he just wouldn't stop crying. I didn't know what to do. Um, again, I'm still a teenager. I'm still very young. Um, you're a child raising children. Yes. Yes. And one thing I will say, I cherish those moments with, you know, looking back and thinking, thank, thank God for them. Because if not, I don't know how deep my addiction would have got as quickly, you know, instead of having those absent times of my life that I didn't use, what would have happened if I wouldn't have had them and how deep would I, would I have gotten into my addiction? That had to give you the thought that, I can overcome this. I may not be ready to, but I can overcome this. If I can stay clean, dry, clear that long, I can continue to grow in that. Well, yeah, but, you know, back back then, I wasn't an addict in my head. I, I didn't have a problem. What are you, what are you talking about? You know, I, I just wanted to. It wasn't because, you know, I had to. Um, and so I ended up, um, I was absent. I'm not going to say I was in recovery. I was absent from drugs, alcohol, all of that. Um, got kind of a little bit containment of, you know, how Devin was. It come to find out he was allergic to a certain, um, ingredient in the formula as well as being colic. So, you know, we had to go to doctor's appointments, things like that. Um, and I ended up getting pregnant with my daughter. Um, and I was completely, um, absent from drugs at that pregnancy as well. Um, I had my daughter, so now I have three babies. And you're how old? At this time, I am, by the time I had Destiny, I just turned 21. 
and you're by yourself. Is that accurate? No, that I don't is not misleading. No, no, no. Anybody. You're fine. Um, no, that is not accurate. I was with okay. Destiny's father. Um, he helped me write when I had Devin. Um, and he continued to be there for me. Um, he's a recovering addict himself. Um, but at that time he was not in any addiction. So okay. he definitely helped me through those hard times. Um, I had destiny and we were doing great. No, no drug use. Um, he was working. I was, you know, staying at home with the three kids, which again, one, the boys are 14 months apart and my middle son and my daughter is 16 months apart. So I was pregnant for about three years, you know, uh, through that. Um, I, I don't know. Again, I don't know. I can't pinpoint exactly what happened. I was at home. I was, we were doing good. And then I started smoking pot again. I, Destiny was probably, I don't know. I want to say five, six months. And, um, with all of that, I've also had a lot of surgeries, um, with my female organs. Um, so every surgery they would prescribe me pain pills, um, right when I, after I had destiny, um, they said that like precancerous cancerous was spreading. So I had to have a partial hysterectomy at 21. Um, and that was huge for someone as young as I was. Oh, the trauma of that with everything else you were dealing with had to be a pretty high hill. Yeah. And I, I didn't understand it. My emotions was crazy. I didn't know if I wanted to be mad, sad, you know, angry. I didn't know. Um, so I got put on pain pills and that started my addiction. Um, I was on pain pills for probably about a year, um, a prescribed from the doctor and I was abusing them. I was getting high on them. Um, and then, uh, when I ran out of them, I realized I had a problem because I would get sick. Um, and I, of course I was still using Xanax prescribed by a doctor. I was still smoking marijuana. Um, and when I knew I had a problem, I kind of freaked out because I, one, I was ashamed. I felt guilty. Um, and I didn't know, I didn't know what to do about it. So, um, I ended up mingling with, you know, people that I knew and they were using them too. So then I, that started my opiate, um, addiction. Um, and I did that for probably about five years, five, six years. Um, so now I'm about 26, 27 and I was with someone, um, and they called in a fake prescription um, I went to go pick that prescription up, gave him my ID, gave him the money, and um, it was a, a fraudulent prescription. So um, this had been going on for a while, um, and the cops had gotten informed on it, so I got picked up for that. So you mean you had done that more than once? Is that what you mean by that, and then you got picked up or... No, so I just went, um, my friend came and said, hey, I have to go pick up this prescription. Um, do you want to ride with me? Sure, why not? My my grandma had my kids. Sure, why not? So I went there. When we got there, he was like, oh, my gosh, I don't have my ID. Uh, I'm like, okay, okay. I got mine. 
You know what I mean? Like, I I want this that's in here in this pharmacy. I, I got mine. So I went in there. When I went in there, I, you know, I made the transaction. I walked out and the, and the cops were there. They had, okay, so I got arrested. I went to um, Elwood um, Court or Jail, what, Detainment Center, whatever that's called. Um, and they said that, th- that this had been going on for a while. And so I got picked up for um, picking up a fraudulent prescription. Um, so I was detained until Madison County came and picked me up. So I got booked into jail. Uh, my dad bonded me out. Uh, first time I'd ever been in trouble. Um, so when I got out, I, of course, I went to court and I got put on um, probation. Well, my addiction didn't stop because I got in trouble. Exactly. You know, so when I got out, I was still, you know, addicted to pain pills, doing Xanax, smoking weed. Um, and I was felling piss test. Ooh. Good. <laughs> um, so, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so I kept violating my probation. Um, and then uh, third time I violated my probation, they sent me away. So I went to prison for the first time um, for nine months. Uh, How long did you serve during that period? Just nine months. You served nine months. Mm -hmm. Okay, what was the sentence? Was it for nine months or No, it was um, 18 to nine months. I didn't guess that. Okay. Yeah, it was a level. um, Back then it was a class D. So um, it, I only held 18 months, um, and they gave me all my, t- my time previously because I kept messing up. So <clears throat> um, I got out, and when I got out of prison, I went to my mom's. Um, I ended up meeting up with the friends that I smoked weed with, Um, I went to go smoke some weed and I got introduced to, um, methamphetamine. Courtney, you're you're reminding me of the old phrase of we have to change our people, places and (laughs) things. And I know you understand that today, but obviously didn't then. No. That was an example of the wise. Yes. So go ahead and tell us about the. The meth journey. Uh, uh, journey is a great uh, way to explain that. Um, so I used it for six months of my life. Within that six months, I had lost my relationship with my kids. I had caught gun charges over in Ohio. I had charges over here in Madison County um, and didn't know where to turn. I had lost my relationship with my kids' um, dad. I had completely... Um, was isolated from everything that I had known, that I'd grown up with, that I had believed, my morals, um, everything. I had lost Your choices, your decisions isolated you from everything that was good in your life. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Tell us more. Um, so then I went to, um, like I said, I went over to Ohio. Um, the two charges that I said about Ohio and here in Madison County, they happened, the offenses happened within a week and a half. Um, so the guy that introduced me to the methamphetamine, um, it was his birthday. We were going over to Ohio and he had had 
guns in the car, not, not, um, as far as I know, not like for anybody or to harm anybody. He just, he had them. Um, the vehicle was in my name. Um, so we crossed state lines. Um, we was at a rest stop. We get, you know, a cop pulls up, um, and I didn't think really anything about it, to be honest with you. We were going to Kings Island. And uh, he asked to search the car. Well, he asked the driver, which wasn't me, um, if he could search the car. He says no. And he said, well, you, the driver, had a, have a warrant here in Ohio. So that gave him probable cause to search the vehicle. Um, they found the guns. The guns, um, even though I didn't have my fingerprints on them or any of that, Possessions is nine-tenths of the law. Yes. So I got hit with gun charges. Um, it was my vehicle. <laughs> so I ended up going away over in Ohio in a foreign state, a foreign jail. Um, and you'd have thought that would have been it for me. How long? You know? um, I was only over there for about three weeks. Okay. Um, and my kid's dad put up um, bond money and bonded me out. Was in, that a good idea as you look back? Your dad bonding you out the other time, the kid's dad bonding you out this time. Were those good choices for you? Absolutely not. Okay. You know, um, one thing I have looked at now is my family and the ones that love me the most are my biggest enablers. Always the case. You know, and they just, they didn't know. I come from a family that is not of addicts, of is not of, of familiar with any type of, you know, recovery or anything. So they look at it as they're trying to help me, when in the end, they're only hurting me. You were the ram peg in the square hole or trying to fit into <laughs> their square hole, and they couldn't make that happen with all their help, could they? Right. No, not at all. Not yes. at all. Yeah. And, folks, I hope you heard that. Repeat again what you said about your family being so detrimental. Um, they love me so much. They, I mean, my mom, my grandma, my grandpa, my dad, all of them would have done anything for me. I mean, anything. But at that time, there was nothing that nobody could have done for me because I was not ready to help myself. I was not ready to surrender into recovery. I did. I wasn't even thinking about that. So again, my family is my biggest enablers in my addiction. Uh, parents, uh, grandparents, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, family, recognize what she's saying. I cannot tell you the line when you cross to enable, but if you're doing more for the individual than they want to do for themselves, that's a good thing to look at because they aren't ready. If they haven't taken ownership and told you, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. It doesn't have to be those words, but it needs to be something similar. You need to hear the accountability, the ownership from them, and promises. Promises are cheap. Yeah, they uh, are. Don't you wish you had a dime for every promise you made and broke? Yes. We all do, okay? But by that same token, don't quit believing in them. Don't stop praying for them. Don't stop caring or loving, but be careful how you love. You've heard the old adage of tough love. 
this is the time for tough love. The Absolutely. Pat on the back of the head and you'll be okay, sweetie. Isn't going to get you through addiction, is it? No, not at all. Yeah, okay. I'll turn it back over no, to you. No, you're fine. Tell us more. Um, so I ended up going on the run. I'm just going to kind of sum it, sum it up a little bit. Um, I ended up going on the run from both counties. I had a burglary over in Madison County, and I had gun charges over in Ohio. I'm still deep in my addiction. Um, I, now I've added methamphetamine to my drug of choice. So it's methamphetamine, pain pills, Xanax, weed, um, maybe some alcohol if it's available. You know, if it's there, I'm going to do it. Um, so at that time, I, like I said, I've been disconnected from everybody and anyone that loved me, um, for them really. Um, so I, along that journey, I went on the run for about nine months, roughly. I had a bounty hunter after me, all of that. Um, and you know, the funny part is, is I am on the run wanted posters and everything and I am at a very close family friend's house and I looked at her and I said I'm done I I am done it was like and I say it as today I felt like God had washed over me because all of the sudden at my worst bottom I mean darkest moments in my life is when I realized I was done with that life I was done with the addiction. I was done with running. I was done with getting in trouble. I was done. Did that hit you like a lightning strike from heaven, lightning bolt, or was it a more gradual kind of thing? It was. I was sitting there. We were watching Gold Rush. I'll tell you exactly what was going on. You know, this is almost eight years ago. We, I was sitting there watching Gold Rush, and I looked over, and I said, Aunt Paula, I've I think I'm just done with this. And she looked back at me and said, done with what? I guess. <laughs> you know, and I was like, I don't want to live like this anymore. And it was, I, I can't even explain it. It was literally like something had washed over my thoughts, my, my feelings, everything. And I knew right then I had stopped. I, w I was done. I was done using um, Subutex or Suboxone, which I was prescribed with those for four years. Um, I was done with dabbling with the meth. I was done with, with anything whatsoever. Um, and that's exactly what I did. I was in, um, I went through very, very bad withdrawals for um, the next three weeks on her floor. Um, and I came out on top. After I came out on top, I turned myself in. So... It sounds to me like in a heartbeat, you made the decision saying, I'm done. In the next heartbeat, you went cold turkey with being done. Is that accurate? That is accurate. Three weeks later, you pick yourself up because you're physically able to after the withdrawal and everything that goes along with withdrawal. Go ahead. Explain to the folks quickly what withdrawal looks like. For anybody mm. who may not know, give us a brief on that. Shaking, um, coming out both your ends, um, not being able to stand up, not being able to eat, not being able, I mean, your whole body just felt like um, I, would, I had pins and needles going through it at all times. You can't sleep. You're hot. You're cold. I mean... It, it, it's awful. It's awful. 
hear those words. It's awful, and that's all you need to know. I've heard it described different times as the worst flu you've ever had times 50. Absolutely. And I'm sure everybody has their own description, but that's the only thing some of us can relate to because we've not been close to that. So there you are. You're picking yourself up. You're stopping. Lead us forward. Okay, so I went. I um, talked to the bounty hunter. He came and picked me up from Ohio. I went and got that taken care of, um, came back over here. I did um, time in um, prison in Madison County. Um, and that journey that I went over in Ohio, I could not, um, I, I couldn't do any programs over there. It's more like a boot camp. Um, but when I came over here to Indiana, um, I still, I want recovery. I don't know anything about recovery. I don't know anything about meetings. I don't know anything about anything. Um, the big book, I don't know anything. Um, so. But you know what you want. Exactly. And you kept fighting for it. Exactly. So I, um, got in prison here in Indiana and that's exactly what I did. I became, um, I I recovered. I um, got into the RWI program. I became a mentor. Tell the folks what RWI is. It's recovery while incarcerated. Okay. Um, and it is, you go to meetings, you help with your self-esteem, you get like to the underline a little bit, um, kind of dig deep a little bit into yourself. Um, so I did that. And then I, I went and actually helped the elderly um, that was in prison. Um, trying to give back, and then I done a modification, and I came out to um, reentry court, which is problem-solving courts. Um, and to this day, I still thank them greatly. Um, I speak very highly on them. That is a powerful, powerful path to take. Uh, the 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 courts that are reaching out to those who are hurting or those with mental health issues, what an impact they're making and a change they're bringing about. Absolutely. Absolutely. I still stand firm that if it wasn't for me coming out and being in problem-solving courts and the reentry program, I would not have the foundation that I stand on today. Um, and I greatly thank them for everything that they've done. Um, it led me to, you know, getting my own house, feeling, you know, secure, having full-time employment, um, being able to reach goals, you know, even simple goals like getting your license or, um, you know, looking for a better job, things like that, that normal, when I say normal, I mean, people that's not in addiction, they just kind of take for granted for people that suffer from addiction, that becomes hard for those little tasks to get completed. For you, they're not little tasks. They just sound like it from the other side, okay? (laughs) But when you're in the middle of it fighting to win it, there's nothing small about it because you weren't even thinking much of your license a year before that. No, who needs a license to drive? You know, that's got keys. That's all it takes, right? (laughs) (laughs) We're good with that. Okay, so there you are. You're starting to accomplish some things, build up some pride, Mm -hmm. move us forward. I love what we're hearing. Okay, so um, with getting um, a little bit um, familiar with recovery, doing what, you know, is asked of me, kind of guiding me into the right um, path, um, I'm getting relationships back with my kids. Um, 
my at that time my oldest still um, was not talking to me um, which I went to therapy over several times because I was just at wits end like he's never going to come around um, I ended up getting my house I have my house I have had it for years now um, and I um, I had my same employment. I um, got my kids back. I, they are with me to this day. I made a joke that, you know, I run a circus. I'm the ringleader. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, but, How old were your, your kids now? Okay, so the son that I just said that didn't have any contact with me whatsoever for two years, he is now living with me. Um, so I have all three of them. He will be 18 this year. Uh, my middle son is 16 and my daughter is 15. Wow. Wow. And you're back together, mom and yes. three kids. Yes. That's got to be something special, not just for you, but for each of them to be able to to live together and to see the mom that you've become. Yes, thank you. And it's just, a great accomplishment. You know, and I, you, everybody's heard my story now. And if I can do it, I'm telling you, have that will, surrender, and, and it can get done. You can have that moment of God's presence flooding over you. How has God continued to work in your life, do you think? I believe that he works in my life to better my relationships with my family, with um, my children, with reaching out to the community. Because I know what he's done for me, and if I can just, you know, listen to him and be able to reach others in any way that I can, I feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose. Wow. That's got to feel good. That's what yes. brings a smile to your face. Yes. I've seen through <laughs> most of this. I know there was a day you probably didn't feel much like smiling. Absolutely during not. the loss, the struggle, the fight, but you're there now. Let's yes. close with this. As you're aware... The name of our podcast is Faith in Your Recovery. What do those four words mean to Courtney? Um, I would have to say that I wouldn't have my recovery if I wouldn't have put my faith in God. That's simple. <laughs> that That's simple to say, not always the most simple to do. But as accurate as you can get, is there anything else you want to say in closing, Courtney? You've done a great job. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you for I having me. I know you me. came in here with the nerves, and I, I don't did. blame you, okay? <laughs> I did. But uh, you couldn't tell it by what you've shared. So is there Thank you. anything else? Um, no. If I can do it, you can do it. Just please Amen. reach out. Amen. Sometimes the bravest thing you can say is help. We want to be a part of that help here at Faith in Your Recovery. Feel free to get a hold of us. There are several ways you can do that. Email us at podcast at ablbh.org. Or you can email at info at ablbh.org. Continue to hang in there. Go to our website. Guess what it is? ablbh.org for a better life. Brianna's Hope. Thank you for tuning in. Stay in the battle. Courtney's made it clear. It's a tough one, but you can win it. And you too can come together. God bless. Amen. Amen.